This episode is sponsored by the Paper Trails Greeting Company. Owners near and far, hear ye, hear ye. There's an amazing company that's dedicated to celebrating and encouraging every runner that laces up a pair of running shoes, and it's called the Paper Trails Greeting Company. This company offers something that's hard to replicate in a text message, and that is a physical, innovative, and genuine note of kindness that supports and celebrates every runner. The motto of the company is that every runner belongs, and each card proves that. The cards preach community among all runners, and there's a card for each season of a runner's journey. If you've run a new personal best, there's a card that celebrates that. If you suffered an injury, there's a card that lets you know that someone is thinking of you and that you'll come back even stronger. There's even a card that celebrates your significant running other. For me personally, I never felt like a runner, but then I stumbled across the Paper Trails Greeting Company and it inspired me to pick up running again. And eventually it made me feel like I was a part of the running community. Go on their website, papertrailsgreetingco.com and check out their incredible selection of cards. Use the code LACTICACID in all caps for 15% off your order. They also have inspirational stickers and PDF printouts, so be sure to check those out as well. Then follow them on their social media page on Instagram, Paper Trails Greeting Co., as well on Facebook. And always remember to celebrate every runner and that every runner belongs. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, saints and angst, and welcome to the Lactic Acid Podcast. I am your host, Dominique Smith. First and foremost, I want to just thank everyone for their continued support. Um, you supported this channel, and I am truly grateful for it. This is the month of February, and we've had some incredible episodes that have been released, and they will be released every week this month. So definitely, definitely stay tuned uh, to see the episodes that will be released, including this episode that I am about to share with you that you are about to listen to. The GOAT, one of the people that I look up to in the track and field podcasting industry, and one of the nicest human beings you'll ever come across, and very talented as well. This is Allie Feller, blessed the show. We had a chance to laugh. We talked about the Magic Boost program. She was... Um, one of the speakers there and I have had the opportunity to uh, be one of the uh, students in her group there were we had breakout sessions and I got a chance to be a part of her breakout session and it was awesome we talked that we talked journalism we talked her show Allie on the Run we talked just about everything the sport of running uh, we got into some TV shows some rapid fire this is an episode that you truly will not want to miss. It's going to make you laugh. And she is definitely someone that you need to follow. You need to follow her show, Allie on the Run. She releases two episodes a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And you will love the guest that she has on. Very, very great interviewer. And so do me a favor. I ask this favor all the time. So if you can do it again, I would greatly appreciate it. Go on Instagram, if you have it, follow Lactic Acid Podcast on Twitter, Lactic Acid underscore pod on TikTok, which I still don't know how to use. It's a shame, but you know, I'm old. Follow Lactic Acid Podcast. And that should be if you type in Lactic Acid with Dominique Smith, it'll show up as well on Apple and Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, 
Lactic Acid Podcast with Dominique Smith. Please go and subscribe so you can get all the new episodes when they're released. And if you like the episode, do me a favor and leave a nice review when in the rating section because that helps the show grow. It helps more people discover this podcast and we can welcome more listeners into our little Lactic Acid family. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, do me another favor. Email me at lacticacidpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to work with you. I would love to chat with you. And we would love to, or I would love uh, to bring you into the lactic acid community. Thank you so much again for the support, the unwavering support. And I hope you enjoy this episode. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, saints and angst, and welcome to Lactic Acid, the podcast where the takes are fresh, the ideas are ripe, and that makes us the best in the bunch. I am your host, Dominique Smith, and today we have the GOAT when it comes to track and field podcasting. There's none better. She's done so many, conducted so many interviews. She is a uh, race, not race, uh, I'm losing my head, but she calls racist and she does it very well. There's pretty much nothing that she can't do. She has her famous show, Allie on the Run. You better check it out. Comes out twice a week. She is none other than Mrs. Allie Feller. Allie, what's going on? Thank you for coming okay. on the show. Can you come do that every morning when I wake up? And like, that was a good like pump up. I loved that. Thank you I for the you. very kind introduction. I got you, fam. It's all facts. You know, <laughs> I loved it. Up. I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you for having me. Of course. It's like I'm sitting with Michael Jordan and LeBron James <laughs> combined. Like if they were like a combined person for a podcast. So like this is like gold for me and everything. I feel like they are much cooler. I don't think I've ever been used in the same sentence as those two. So my ego is just going to fill the room right now. Hey, that's what that's what it is. <laughs> I had to hear that. So I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everyone when they first come on the show. If you had to pick a superhero, and I'm going to be generous, or a television character to describe the art, your art as a podcaster, who are you rolling with? Oh, gosh. So I've thought about this a lot in terms of who I'm most like, like mm -hmm. personality wise. Um, and I never love the answers because they're never who I want to be like. Like I always think of um, Claire Dunphy from Modern Family. If you've seen the show, okay. she's like, yeah. she's totally like uptight and neurotic and like plans things and wants things a certain way. And like, that's not who I want to be, but it is who I am at my core. Um, gosh, as a podcaster. So the first person who comes to mind is Wonder Woman because who, who doesn't want to be Wonder Woman? And I will confess, I've not seen the film that came out however many years ago, mm -hmm. but I was on a flight this past weekend and I love seeing what other people choose to watch on planes. Okay. Very nosy. And the woman in front of me was watching wonder woman and I was captivated. Like I didn't have the sound on and I was just like staring the whole time. And so I feel like I got to go wonder woman because who doesn't want to be that? I love her vibe. I love how badass she is. So Let's go Wonder Woman. I do not get that. I have seen Modern Family many times. I do not get that character when it comes to you. I don't know if you've seen the show The Middle, 
um, with Patricia Heaton and all of those. And so from a personality, like a bubbly personality, you're like Sue Heck. Okay. My mom watches that show. So I'm going to have to hit my mom up and ask if that's accurate, but okay. you also, you've not seen me like at home when I'm trying to get my three-year-old to take a bath and I want to get the house cleaned and like everything's going on. I would say as a mom, I'm a bit Claire Dunphy. Um, I I aspire to be Alexis from Schitt's Creek. I think she's got a heart of gold. She's a little hustler, but she always stays true to who she is. And so I, I aspire to be Alexis Rose from Schitt's Creek. I like that. Okay. And a little bit of Keely Jones from Ted Lasso. They're my two like dream characters, Keely and Alexis them together. That's what I want to be. So Keely, Alexis, LeBron, and Michael. That's who you are. <laughs> That's the dream team That's right it. there. With, with just a sprinkle of Sue Heck. So, so let me <laughs> clarify. So I don't want your mama coming at me or you coming at me when she explains Sue Heck. Okay. The, the bubbly personality. You have to watch Sue Heck to understand how crazy Okay. Is. But the bubbly personality. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll like take that. it. I am pretty bubbly. So I'll take I like it. That. I like that. <laughs> As I mentioned, Allie has the famous, incredible podcast, um, the alley on the run show. And so before we get started and you know, kind of dig deep into the interview. So I live here in Orlando, Orlando, Florida. And so I found out that you were down here recently in Clearwater for the half, I think it was a half marathon. Um, did you expect it to be as now you're from New Hampshire? You live in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Did you expect the weather to be what it was? Uh, no, I went for a run today in New Hampshire and I'm like getting ready for my run. I just dropped my daughter off at school and my husband was getting ready to take our dog for a walk. And he's like, is it really nice out? Cause we had said something about how it was going to be warm today. And I was like, yeah, it's like 40. And I go, so it's warmer than it was in Florida. So yes, today I ran in beautiful 40 degree weather in New Hampshire and it was 37 down in Clearwater. That was, um, it was quite shocking. Uh, the good news, I will say the good news is it was great for the runners. The 5k on Saturday was very windy, but I don't think anyone was there to try and PR the 5k. It's kind of just the fun shakeout before you do the half, the marathon, the ultra, the next day. So on Sunday, it was chilly for me because I just stand there as the race announcer. I got like four steps that day. I don't move from my little station, but for the runners, the sun came out, the wind died down. It was around 40 degrees. It really was beautiful running weather. So I'm happy for them. And I would like a break from the cold sometime soon. That was going to be my big January thaw and it did not happen for me, but Um. yeah. It's 83 here today. So yeah, no, we said I flew out on Monday. So Monday I flew back to New Hampshire by Monday afternoon in Florida. It was like 60 something by Tuesday. It was in the seventies. I, I was literally there for like the three coldest days Florida's had in a decade. So in in four years, like it's, it was, I don't know. Florida cold is different because it's like, if you drink a pot of black coffee, with like some rum in it or so I, I don't <laughs> it's just like just that. go hard yeah just just go hard I think the young kids call it a four loco or whatever the case <laughs> might be it's like because it's so bitter and it's it like it stings it's like a pinch and yeah because you're standing with palm trees in the background wearing a puffy coat and I'm like this is just like this is not what I was going for um I 
yeah, I did not need to pack bathing suits. I did because I was optimistic. I always will be optimistic. And I was like, you never know. It's like how they say in the summer, how it's like, oh, every day Florida is like thunderstorms, but it's like, it doesn't actually do that. Or it's for like five seconds in the afternoon, you know? Have you been to Florida in the summer? <laughs> but like you bring, you want a bathing suit in the summer because at yeah, some okay. point yeah. it's going to be hot. Whereas this, it never quite got to that. Okay. So no, I, I was hoping the weather might change or not be yeah, accurate, but I was wrong. Yes. Um, so it is all, it's not at some point it's going to be hot. It's like, I get up at seven 30 to bring the trash up and I have to take a shower yeah. because of the humidity and stuff like that. So yes, Florida is the most bipolar state um, when it comes to weather. But I am, I apologize that we were not on our best behavior when it comes to the thermostat. It's uh, okay. It was good for the runners. It was so good. That's runners, but top it was priority. Bad. It was bad for the experience. And so the experiences is what mattered. But we hope the runners had a good time. And we're, we're yes, thankful. And we will that. be back. Yes, good. But anyway, I met Allie. Uh, people who listen to the show have heard about the Magic Boost program probably so much that they're tired of it, which is fine. I don't really care. But uh, she, I forgot what week it was, but it was arguably the best week we had because we had so many uh, incredible people, Allie, uh, Chris Bennett, and Lewis Johnson. And I was fortunate enough to be in Allie's group in a breakout session. Um, and it was like the most incredible thing ever. And uh, I said this, there, there are two, like when it comes to podcasting, my style, like you and someone else, it really inspired me because it just helped me, you know, be myself because you are authentically you when, when you're on the podcast and it's like, oh my gosh, like you see someone who's successful and, you know, being themselves, it's like, okay, cool. I could be myself on my show and everything like that. What started, well, why did you have interest in the Magic Boost program and helping other people and, you know, kind of what started launch this podcast of yours that is incredibly successful. Yeah. Well, for Magic Boost specifically, that I I bow down to Chris Chavez. Chris Chavez is the ultimate hustler. He works so hard. He is doing so much for this sport. And he's just one of those people that I feel lucky to get to call a friend. He's someone that I look up to in the industry and he's someone that when the opportunity presents, I will always work with, collaborate with, hang out with, text with, see Broadway musicals with. Uh, Chris is just, he's a good guy. Like Chris has, I don't think he's got a mean bone in his body or if he does, I haven't been introduced to it yet. So, um, I am a, I'm a big Chris Chavez fan. So when he reached out about being part of magic boost, that was an easy yes for me. Uh, I also, I love what it's all about. I think just like you said, I think there's so much value in bringing new people into this sport, um, and the media side of it and letting them be who they are, because for so long we've watched the same broadcast at races. We've watched the same sports coverage. We've seen the same people ask the same questions after the athletes finish a race. And don't get me wrong. There are so many very talented people who do things I could never do. I could never do race commentary. I could never be part of a broadcast. Like I, I can't talk about the stats and the splits and and have an authoritative voice on that because I've not been in the position of a professional runner. So there are lots of talented people, but I think it's good to 
shake it up a little bit. And we've seen a lot of really cool stuff over the past, especially the past year, but I would say the past few years, things like the trials of miles events and all of the coverage that they're doing. And they're just, they're trying new stuff. They're bringing in new people, younger people, people with fresh takes, more diverse voices. And I care a lot about the sport of running. I think they're for something where we say like, all you need are a pair of shoes. There are a lot of barriers to entry when it comes to running. And the more that people can see themselves in this sport in some way, the more this will actually become the community that we're saying it is. So um, sure, maybe you need shoes and that's it. But like, not everyone has that. Not everyone has access to that. Not everyone sees themselves at start lines. Not everyone wants to run races. So I think the more voices we can bring into the sport, the better. And so when Chris said, that's what the magic boost was all about. I was like, hell yes. What do you want from me? When do you want it? I have not had plans in like years because of the pandemic. And our session was the one week I was actually on vacation. So I felt so bad. I'm like, staying at this like motel at the Jersey shore with, um, you know, it was me and my daughter, my husband had stayed back home. He was working. So it was me and her. And there was like no internet connection. The lighting was terrible. It was just like, from my end, can I swear? Am I allowed to say a little swear? Yeah. It was a shit show on my end. I was just like, right up until the second it started, I was like, I'm sitting in the dark. I have no internet. Like I'm going to be the weak link here. Also, to be next to Lewis Johnson and coach Bennett, who are just such brilliant minds. And I mean, Lewis is just such a gifted storyteller. I was like, what am I doing here? Uh, but I think we all have those moments of what am I doing here? And, um, so yeah, it was really, really fun. I'm excited to be a part of it again this year and I'll do whatever Chris Chavez wants. It is weird that you thought that because like, when you came on, it was like, oh, snap, like Allie Feller. Like, because, like, when you're in a session with Allie Feller, it's like, dude, can I, like, message her the question? Because, like, I'm afraid to actually, like. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you know? no. So I'm, I was, like, like, the comic relief. I was, like, I'm here for the jokes. You guys are here for, like, the inspirational stories. Like, Coach Bennett, he opens his mouth, and it's, like, poetry. Uh, he's just so brilliant. And, and yeah, Lewis Johnson has interviewed all of the greatest talents in this sport and beyond. And, uh and I was like, does anyone want to hear a joke or a sarcastic comment? I am available. It's so. it's so weird because like that night, myself and Matt Wisner, who is doing great work with uh, New Generation Track and Field, um, we, we were the note taker. So essentially we were assigned each week to like write stuff down and then, you know, we send it to Chris and then um, he posted on Sidious. So like I had carpal tunnel, like trying to write everything down, like everyone said, and it's, and it's so from my point of view, it's like, okay, you see Lewis and it's like, oh my goodness gracious. And, and then, you know, meeting him in person, he's like this big, like six, eight, not six, eight, but this big, tall, authoritative figure. And then, you know, Chris Bennett is dropping gems, like, like none other. Um, but then there are things that you said, like one of the biggest pieces of it, advice that I took away was ask questions that you, if you don't know something like ask the, you know, guests and everything. And that has like, it's proven well, because I'm not an expert, you know, I, my, even, you know, I, you know, through the shot put in the discus, but I'm not going to compare myself to Michelle Carter when it comes to, you know, the knowledge and everything. So 
it, it's it, that's why I say it's funny like to hear you say that because that wasn't the vibe at all. It was just like we're like sitting in greatness, and it was like sad because I know you had to leave early, and I think you like cut out once or twice. It was like dang man, but that was like when it comes to the sessions, we had incredible sessions, but I think that one was the most memorable for all of us. Uh, that's we, so cool. That makes me so happy. We tweeted it out like the next day and the next night because it was like, oh snap, like this this really happened. I even think I asked, I was like, listen, like when we make it big, can we come on your show <laughs> and everything <Yes>. like that <laughs> and stuff like that. So no, I'm I'm really happy that you were a part of it. Um uh, because it was it helped so many people. I know it's helped me so much because you know, you you I don't want to say you, I don't even know what I'm trying to say sometimes you try to search for the how to do it the right way and then to see someone do it do it successfully and have longevity because they are just themselves is like for me it was like okay i don't need to pretend to be anybody else just go out and do what you do and that's something that you've done for the duration of your show and so um the second question was just how did ali on the run you know kick off and you know, what was the inspiration, you know, behind it? And how have you maintained such excellence for over 400 episodes? That's just mind. So many, I know so many episodes and uh, so much editing. You should see my to-do list today. It's busy time. Uh, Yeah. The alley on the run show, it turns five next week. We got a birthday coming up. So that's pretty exciting. So the show, I launched it in uh, February 11th, 2017. And it was a hobby. I never planned for this to be my job, which is part of what makes this all so <clears throat> sweet and wonderful now is that it started as a side thing that I loved. And that's kind of been the course of my life is that I went to college, major, majored in journalism with a very specific goal in mind, which was to be the editor in chief of Dance Spirit magazine, which is a teen dance magazine. I was a dancer and a writer. It was the dream. I was able to do that, worked really hard, got an internship, worked my way up. By the time I was editor-in-chief, I was like, what's the next great thing? It's like, you know, you spend your whole life dreaming about something, you get the dream, and then I was already thinking about what to do next um, instead of just kind of enjoying it, uh, which is a character flaw that I will someday work on. So I started running. Running became a part of my life. I started blogging and writing about my running. I started freelancing for publications, writing about running. So I started getting freelance assignments at magazines like Self and Shape and Runner's World and Women's Running and getting my foot in the door there. Then I went full-time freelance. I left the magazine entirely. I was freelancing full-time and I said, I'm going to start a podcast. I had been a guest on a show and I was like, oh my God, you just talk? this is great. Like, this is my favorite activity talking about running. And this was in 2017 or at the time it was 2016. There weren't, there were like four running podcasts maybe. Um, and I thought I could do this and the market was not yet oversaturated. And I thought I'm going to do this as a fun hobby. And once a week, I'm going to talk to my friends. It was never, I'm going to talk to professional athletes because when I launched the show, I was barely following professional running. There were runners I knew. I knew Kara Goucher. I knew who Paula Radcliffe was. I knew who Des Linden was. But the goal 
from the start wasn't to get them on the show. It wasn't to be the biggest podcast. It was to talk to my friends and hear how their running was going. So if you look back at the early episodes, that's what it was for a long time. It was just me talking to people that I knew about their running and how they got into it. And that still is the core of the show. It is still about sharing people's stories, but yeah, now it does include Olympians and professional athletes and my friends. It's a little bit of everyone. Um, like what we were talking about earlier, I want people to see themselves reflected on the show, but at some point there was a shift where podcasting was the more fun thing I was doing. I was procrastinating all of my writing assignments and I was focusing on the podcast. And then there started to be a shift where not only was I spending more time on the podcast, I realized I could get sponsors and I realized I could monetize it. And I did it for about a year before I made a dime. I mean, I lost money off it for the first year, but then I started to make money and I started to put out more episodes and more people started to listen. And I started to do live events and the show grew. And now it's probably been at least a year since I've written anything. I I still call myself a freelance writer, but it's been a very long time since I've had the time to write anything. Uh, so that's where we are now. And, and I've branched out into other things as well, race announcing, um, live events, stuff like that. So it's just kind of my whole world now. Your show is like the perfect piece of fried chicken and like macaroni and cheese. I'm like, well, anybody who listens to the show knows like I'm you know, from the South roots in the South. So food is like life for me. Um, even though I have a banana, you know, <laughs> I had bananas are good too. It's good too, but nothing like a good piece of fried chicken. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's soul food, like for the runner who, but it's not even for the runner because here's the thing. I don't really know much about running. Uh, I threw, I'm starting to get into running like, you know, personally and stuff like that. It's weird, but you know, it, there's something soothing about it, but you listen to it and yes, they're your friends, but they seem to be friends. It's, it's never a feeling of intrusion. Like I'm intruding into a conversation as much as we're hanging out. Everybody's hanging out, talking. It's a sense of family and a sense of community your style, you know, about that, you know, how did that, obviously you just said that, um, you know, you just, you're just talking with friends, but to get them comfortable enough to where you feel like everybody's family, you know, how did you integrate that style into your podcasting? Yeah. It's funny you say that because I dated a guy who I will not name publicly, uh, he once told me that it was embarrassing going out with me because we would go out with his friends and he's like, you grill them. Like we're trying to just hang out at a bar and you're asking them like, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grow up? And what are your hopes and dreams? And I was like, I'm getting to know them. Like, that's how I like, I don't want to talk to them about like the weather and their commute. Like, I'm not interested in that. I want to know them as a person. I'm, I've never, I've never been good at small talk. I've always been very into big talk. And so, uh, that was something that he saw as such a character flaw. And it made me really self-conscious about it for a long time. I also, my high school boyfriend broke up with me because he said I was too silly. And so I think that when you hear wow. feedback like that, it makes you want to you know, be small and right. hide those things. And it took me with both of those pieces of feedback, um, unsolicited feedback, took me a long time to say, well, that's your opinion of me. 
but but I know who I am. It's like how pink is my favorite color. And I didn't admit that until like five years ago because you pink wasn't cool. Like being girly wasn't cool. And I'm like, that's who I am. Like I like pink and glitter and I have strong opinions about the state of the world. Like it can be both. Right. And so it's been a journey of getting to know myself and knowing that that journey never ends. Right. Like a year from now, I might listen back to this and be like, what was I saying? Like, I don't agree with any of that now. And I think especially to be a public facing voice, you have to have that humility of I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I might change my mind. Uh, I think that makes us human. And so my approach to these conversations is a mix of what I learned as a journalist and maintaining that journalistic integrity but I'm not here to grill people. And I always tell them that from the start, I'm like, you know, none of the questions I'm going to ask you are going to surprise you. If anything is off limits, let me know. Um, people always have the right to say, if I ask them a question, they can always say, I don't want to talk about that. And I will tell you in my 400 plus episodes, it has never once happened. Um, maybe that means I'm asking like too many softball questions, but I, I've pushed a handful of people and, um, they're usually game to, to answer the questions. And so I always have that conversation beforehand to hopefully put them at ease and let them know, like, there are no gotcha moments here. Mm-hmm. I am not like, I'm not here to try to get something scandalous out of you. I'm not here to put you on the spot. We just want to get to know you as a person. And so sometimes, and everyone's different, right? Some people open right up right away. Now that podcasts and media are everywhere. I think that professional runners especially have gotten really good at doing this for a long time. It was hard. Um, runners weren't used to doing interviews like this. They were just used to doing the post race. How was your race? How did you feel? Did you expect it to go out that fast? Tell us about the move you made at the 10 K whatever. Whereas now it's really about getting to know them as people. And I think the more opportunities these athletes have to talk about their stories and share their stories, the better they get at sharing them, Um, which is great for us. It also means less PR machine answers. It used to be like, yeah, everything's going well. And I want to thank my sponsor, Saucony, for making it possible. I'm really loving the Saucony Endorphin Pro. And I'm like, that's not it. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Uh, whereas now it is more candid. It does flow better. I try to really get a read on the people too. Um, you know, the first question's always awkward on any interview. And I've done 400. And the first question, I always sound terrible. Mm-hmm. It's always stiff from the start, even if it's someone I've interviewed a hundred times, like we'll, we'll talk offline for five minutes first and it's flowing and we're chatty and blah, 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 blah. And then I hit record and it's like, okay, we've got like it. And then by the end, we can't shut up because yeah. it's fun. Uh, I try to read on them. Sometimes I will insert my own stories a little bit. I never want to talk too much about myself, myself, uh, But sometimes I can kind of tell if it will help the person to hear a little bit. Like if they're talking about a hard time and I can tell that they're kind of hesitating or holding back, I might share a story of something similar. I might add a little levity. I might crack a joke, which is a thing I do a lot. So I try to get a read on that. Um, 
the goal for me is really to put the person at ease, to make them comfortable for them to know that it's a safe space. Um, that, that doesn't mean I'm not necessarily going to ask some challenging questions, whatever that might look like. Uh, but I'm, I'm not there to, um, uncover a scandal. I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to make headlines. I'm not like, Ooh, let me see if I can get the big reveal on this and we'll, we'll get in the New York times. Like, I don't know. I just, I think these people are interesting and I want to get to know them better. It's so simple. It's not investigative journalism. Uh, No, exactly. And it's, it's funny because I had, you know, just talking with athletes and, you know, they say, you know, this approach is what's needed in track and field. Um, because, you know, just at the, you know, being in Magic Boost when we were out in Eugene, you know, and our, our group, we've had several conversations. We had several conversations out there, you know, in the press, con- press conference and everything. They're pressing the athletes to try to get a story. Um, and I, I know that because as someone in college, you know, how, you know, they kind of train, you know, ask these specific questions and you have a story in your mind. But, you know, the athletes, like you said, they answer the same questions and you ask the same questions. And sometimes, you know, you ask the same questions so you can put your name on the story, even though they've answered it, you know, 10,000 times. And so, you know, they're more robotic instead of human. And it does not help the perception of athletes and stuff like that. They're people too, you know, they're just not, you know, people who live, think and breathe sports 24 seven, you know, there are real world concerns that they have. And then sometimes they don't want to talk about sports. If you just lost a race or you're on a losing streak or you're not training well, for whatever reason, why would you want to come on and, Oh, how's training going? Oh God, it's good. Yeah. It kind of sucks. And if we want to grow the sport, we need to make these people interesting to non-runners or to new runners or to people who, you know, maybe throws people and are starting to get into running. Like how do we bring new people into the sport and, and make these people human because they are like, I will never forget. Well, I always say I will never forget. And then I'm like, I have a terrible memory. I will forget yeah, all of this. It's like that. <laughs> I hope I never forget uh, after Des Linden last April, after she ran that 50 K record that she went out and did on that trail, um, which was so fun to watch. They did a virtual press conference and I was invited to it. And I've never even been to a regular press conference at this point. That's just not a part of my job. I usually do. So I'm in this virtual press conference. It's on zoom. Of course, all I'm doing is looking at like who else is in here, like stalking all the people, their bios. I'm like, Oh, it's Jonathan Galt from let's run. It's Allison Wade, fast women, Aaron Strout's here. Uh, she was women's running at the time, like total imposter syndrome. And so then it was Des and her agent, Josh Cox. And they're like, okay, we're going to open it up. Just start asking your questions. And people were typing them in the chat and I'm watching these questions pop up and I'm like, No one's asking what I really want to know, but I'm way too embarrassed to ask because I ask what I'm curious about. I don't have a predetermined narrative. I'm not trying to write a story for runner's world. I'm having a conversation. And so I'm watching the questions and they're like, you know, what shoe were you running in? How did it feel? How was that hairpin turn you had to make? Like interesting, relevant stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I want to know if it was fun. Like, there were no spectators. Like, did that feel like a grind? And so I finally was like, 
I'm going to type my question in the chat and they can choose to answer it or they can roll their eyes and skip it. And so I like nervously type. I'm like, <laughs> I think I typed like, where was it on the funometer between like one is the worst day of your life and 10 is winning Boston? Um, like how fun was it or whatever? And, and they answered. And I remember Josh Cox being like, this is such an alley feller question and feeling so like insulted by that. And then I was like, no, like, I don't care if that's an alley feller question. Like, and he was joking. I don't think he meant it as an insult. I should follow up with him on that. Um, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to ask more of the questions I'm curious about. So my next question, a couple minutes later, cause I was also like, I don't want to ask too many. Like, I don't want to you know, I don't know, like, what are the rules there? I need rules and guidelines. And so I was like, Des, the goal was for you, you know, your husband, Ryan was out there too. What happened to Ryan? Because we heard all about Des's race. We knew that Des crossed the finish line. We had gotten no updates on Ryan Linden. And so they like see it and they laugh and I've had Ryan on my show. I've had Des and Ryan on together. So they know who I am. And they like laugh. Josh, her agent gets up, sit, goes and grabs Ryan, her husband. He was in the room. So <laughs> Ryan sits down. So then Des and Ryan are chatting together. I was loving it. Like they brought out such a good dynamic in each other. The imposter in me the whole time was saying the real journalists in the room are annoyed right now. Like they want their questions answered. This is a distraction. They don't care about Ryan's race, but I was like, I'm entertained as hell. So, yeah. and I, I didn't get in trouble. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes you just gotta, my whole thing is I ask what I actually want to know. Um, right. I ask what I'm actually curious about. I, if someone's telling a story and you know, they might say like, oh yeah, you know, and I got up and I had a sandwich and then blah, blah, blah. The whole time I'm thinking, what kind of sandwich? Yeah. Like, I gotta know what kind of sandwich. Processed meat um, or like regular. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are we talking BLT, grilled cheese, fried chicken? Like I gotta know what kind of sandwich. And so, um, I've never, I don't think I've ever regretted asking a question, but I know that I have regretted not asking the thing yeah. I wanted to know. Press conferences are difficult i was in two virtual press conferences and i felt the imposter syndrome that you were talking about so i like type something in and then delete 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 because yeah, like yeah. you said you're you're like you have all these journalists there and and everything and it's like uh i don't belong like <laughs> i remember i was i asked a question to joe Kovex, and i was i had my hand up but like there were two conversations going on. It was like, okay, one side of the brain is like, okay, what do you ask them? The second side of the brain is praying like, Lord, just don't, don't let them see me. I sat in this corner for a reason and everything. And then they give me the mic and I'm like shaking like, Oh, Hey, Mr. Kovacs is Dominic Smith. I'm not writing for anybody, but, uh, but his, he's from Pennsylvania. His wife was the Ashley was the coach at Ohio State before getting the job at Vanderbilt. And she's doing an incredible job. So I was like, okay, what is it like being a Penn State guy in Ohio State, you know, country? And he laughed. And then my soul, like. 
You're like, ah, oh, like, oh. I did it. I made him laugh and I'm going to get a good sound bite. Yeah. But I have to, yes, but I have to get to your level where I can ask again because like, it's you like, will though, you will. Cause there's like pressure, like, oh crap, I got the, you know, okay. I set it off. I got to follow up with something, but it's all a learning experience. And totally. one interesting thing that you said earlier, you said it's a character flaw, but I don't think it's a character flaw. You and I, we both have experience going to journalism school. I don't think some of the, I don't think the questions wanting to know the big picture is a character flaw. And oh man, there was something else that you mentioned prior to going and being a character flaw. But I think there are certain things that we learned as far as like I had a conversation uh, with my professor. I told him, if you asked me right after I graduated, would I be doing a podcast? I would have said no. But oh, when you were talking about, you know, getting to your dream magazine and everything, I don't think that's a care and thinking about the next level. I do not think that's a character fall because going based on conversations, you know, they were like, well, if you want to, you know, get to the big picture, the New York Times, this is how you have to write. So for me, you know, my mother was a journalist at the Orlando Sentinel back in the late 70s. She was like one, I think she was like one of like two black women working there at the time and stuff. And so I was like, okay, that's that's to go. I'm, I'm going to work for the Orlando Sentinel for five years. Following the Orlando Sentinel, I'm going up to the New York, no, the Wall Street Journal. That was the goal. And then I'm coming back down here and then I'm taking over the Sentinel and everything. And so... <laughs> I get, I actually worked at the Sentinel as a sports clerk right out of college. Then the pandemic hits and then it's like, and then, you know, we were, we, we were, can't, I mean, it's fine. You know, lactic acid wouldn't be here if it's not, but I don't think that's a character flaw as much as something that's been ingrained in us. Like, oh, totally. Yeah. Um, what is the one thing, and this is probably not going to earn me brownie points within the journalism programs and that's okay if there's something that's been ingrained in our heads that they i don't it's not a character fall as much as an insecurity like a baseless insecurity if there was something that you could change and to any journalist listening uh insecurity from what we learned that you would change based on what you know now what would it be Ooh. I feel like I'm aging myself here because I'm like, oh my God, it's been so long since I went to college. I'm getting older. Um, I'm 36. It's been a while. That so is that not old. Isn't... No, it's not old. I love being 36. It's a great age. If you are but, young, yeah, you're fine. You're good. But, but it's wild that like college every day feels further and further in the very distant past. You know, um, I'm like, what did they teach me? Like, they're... <laughs> yeah. but even looking back, like, Oh, I hate saying this, but I went, so the years I was in college was 2003 to 2007. The internet was new. Like we literally had a class called like reporting using the internet. And it was like, really? Yeah. And it wasn't like Google. It was, yeah. So <laughs> it, it really was different in many ways. And it was almost frowned upon. Um, the, yeah. The internet was like a new agey thing that it was like, oh, that's not what the real journalists do. Like real journalists are out in the field. They're either on the news or they're writing for newspapers or um, my focus specifically was on magazine journalism, um, which also many people did not take seriously. So it is fun. If, if, if you have, oh, that, yeah. I had a chance to work for a magazine in college 
do it. It is so much so fun. fun. Yeah. I, I magazines will always be my first love, I think. So I think for me, and this is different because like I said, I'm not, I'm not doing hard hitting news. I'm not like, I don't know. I was going to say Katie Kirk, cause I'm reading her book right now. And I actually do find that I relate to her in many, many ways, but you know, I'm not the nightly news. I'm not even the today show. I'm like the fluff pieces in the nine 30 hour of the today show. And I'm happy doing those. So I think the biggest thing is to remember that the people that we are talking to are just that they are people. And so are we like, it's hard. And you know, I, I think back a lot. I had Shelby Houlihan on the show last summer and, uh, last winter, I think. So like early last year. So before everything. Right. And it was so fun. She came on the show with Carissa Schweitzer, her teammate. She played the ukulele on the show. Like we had a blast. And I was like, I didn't leave it being like, oh, I feel like I got to know her. Like sometimes after these conversations, I know that we're going to keep in touch me and the guest. And like, um, that happens sometime with Shelby. It wasn't that, but it was like, wow, I just talked to like the most badass, like middle distance, distance runner that we have right now. And she was fun and she was cool and I'm rooting for her. And then so quickly after that, it all fell apart and it was hard to immediately be able, for me, it was very hard to immediately be able to say like, Yep. Shelby Houlihan convicted doper. Yeah. Next topic. Like I was in that camp of like, I find this hard to believe. Mm -hmm. And obviously there has been such a conversation around why that is around why that's been such a visceral reaction among so many of us. And for me personally, which is all I can speak to, it was because I had interviewed her. Because she had opened up to me because Mm -hmm. she had talked about her love for her cat and Harry Potter. And like, I felt like she let me in and the walls kind of came down. And this tremendous athlete was now just a person that I had talked to for an hour and a half. And so, um, you know, there's good and bad in that. There's good because, Hey, we get to find ways to relate to these people. We get to make them human for the masses But then when we learn something really, really terrible about them, it makes it hard to believe there's that hero syndrome, um, which like Shelby's not even someone that I ever idolized. Like she's, you know, I thought what she did was incredible on the track. Um, she wasn't even my favorite athlete. She, she was great. And then she wasn't. And, um, so that's something I've thought about a lot and, um, you know, and that's something I've gotten a little bit of pushback from with my listeners, from people who have said, you know, you've had her teammates on your show. Why didn't you push them harder? Like, why didn't you ask them more about Shelby? I've had Shalene Flanagan on my show several times since the Shelby news came out. And people are like, why didn't you ask Shalane about Shelby? And they're not wrong. And that's not what I'm trying to do. And should I, I don't know, like that's where those lines between journalist and friendly neighborhood podcast host are a bit blurred, right? Because yeah, of course there's a part of me that wants to be like, uh, okay, Shalane, I know we are down to our last 10 minutes, but we got to talk about Shelby. Yeah. What's going to happen there is Shalane's going to stop talking. Right. She's not going to open up. She's not going to trust me. And she's probably going to cut off access going forward. I'm not going to get another Shalene interview. Um, 
does that mean I'm doing the right thing? I don't know. Like I, it, the lines have always been very clear about you're a journalist, you're an investigative reporter. Um, you're not, you're a friend to the athletes. Um, and that can be a wonderful place to be because it means we do get a lot of access. It means that pro athletes listen to the alley on the run show and want to come on and talk to me. And that's awesome. It also means then when there are hard questions to be asked, I mess with that a little bit. Um, and it can affect those relationships. And so, uh, that is something where I'm a human too, and I'm always going to be navigating that. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way to approach situations like that. Um, and Shelby, if you want to come back on the show, let's go. I will ask, I will ask the hard questions. For real. Like, uh, what's your favorite Harry Potter character? (laughs) Yeah. And by the way, What's up with the burrito story? Can we talk about it? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. I mean, we got to know. So <laughs> that's where it's hard. It's, it's a good thing to be human and it's a good thing to respect your guests as the humans and nuanced people that they are. And it's hard when there are hard questions to ask and you don't want to mess with those relationships, but you also want to do a good job and you have gone to journalism school and you know how to do those things. And it's having to ask, you know, the, the risk and reward of doing that, I guess. Well, we've talked Allie on a run and it's clear that you are who Fraser Crane wished he could be uh, when he was in radio. I don't know if you get that reference, but nope. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Frazier? I mean, I know what Frazier is, but I never like watched it. Okay. I'll think of something else. So, um, <laughs> do you have a Ted Lasso reference or a Shit's Creek reference? I do. I do not because I have not watched so many, like, I'll think of something. Okay. I like fluffy TV. I like turn my brain off. Laugh a little bit, feel good TV is kind you know of who you low key. I mean, the lowest of keys. Okay, this have, better be good. I'm so nervous right now. Have you seen the show New Girl? Yeah. A little bit of jest when it comes to that fearless mentality. Okay, I've never gotten that one before. Um, Not the craze, but from a fearless, confident, but really, really investing hell in. Hell yeah. I will take it. Yes. I love that for me. Yes. So, yes. It's that's, Jess. that's what we're going to go with. Who's that girl? Okay. It's Allie. We'll it's just, Allie. That, yeah, <laughs> I like that. I approve. You were a dancer. Yes. So, I'm curious. I've never admitted this on the show, but I danced too for a minute. <laughs> a minute. What kind of dancing did you do? Oh, all of it. Tap, jazz, ballet. I was a competitive dancer. Oh. Dance was my entire identity. Um, and even now I feel like I still like, I shouldn't drop that into conversation ever because it's been so long since I've done that. And I cannot even lift my leg up past my hips now. Like I'm so just the ultimate inflexible runner now, but dance was my entire identity all throughout adolescence, high school. I was the captain of my college dance team. I, that was who I was much in the way that now I'm Allie on the run. I was dancing Allie. I 
like got through the school day and I liked school, but it was more like, when is the bell going to ring so I can go to dance and weekends were dance and all of my best friends were my dance friends. So yeah, a little bit of everything. I like that. Honestly, what did you do? Hip hop. It's weird because the other day I was in, we have this big theater called the Bob Carl theater. And uh, I was in this little group and (laughs) it was so bad. I forgot the song. It's like the old song, Atomic Dog by. Nice. And so like we had to do that. We had to do the Tootsie Roll. And so I was like practicing. I don't know. I thought about it the other day and I was like whipping up dance moves. And like you, like I tried to do one of the moves they make us do. And I think like almost tore my ACL. Oh, (laughs) that was me last week trying to learn a stupid TikTok dance, which is not a thing that I do. Like I'm not even on TikTok. I like, it was on Instagram. So I can't even call it a TikTok dance, but cross post. And I was like, it's so catchy. I was like, I should be able to do this. It's just like fun little moves. And at one point I took a step back, I tripped over my daughter's magnetiles and I swear I like pulled my hamstring. I was like, I'm done. I'm retired. People don't understand as like a former dancer. I was not elite like you. Oh no. I, I mean, I thought I was better than I was, but listen, you were about that life. So let's just, let's oh, just, yeah. cut, let's cut committed. You were about that <laughs> dancing life. Like Jackson five wrote dancing machine. They were probably referring to you when they wrote it. <laughs> like when you try to like pull out those old moves and everything, you have to stretch. Like you're, <laughs> you're about to run a 200. Oh, even like tap was my jam. Tap was my favorite thing. And now my daughter is in dance classes and she loves tap and I still have my tap shoes. Like I see them. They're right there. Oh, wow. And so I was like, I'm going to put them on. Like, let's see. And you think you're going to have the like muscle memory. First of all, my Achilles and calves and ankles are so tight that I cannot do anything just because I have no mobility. And then I realize I'm going like half speed, like where I used to be like, it's like, it's just not just not happening. So it is time that I pass the dancing torch, the torch to my daughter and she loves it. And it is really the greatest joy seeing her loving dance, which I was not going to push on her. It was more just, she asked to take dance class because someone at her school was doing it. So we signed her up and she loves it. Best memory from your dancing career. Oh gosh, that's hard. There's a lot. Um, I loved performing. So for me, it was always, uh, going to nationals in the summer, which, um, those are like the big competitions, um, where everyone from across the country comes and competes and we would travel to nationals. Um, believe it or not, they were not held here in New Hampshire. Uh, so we would travel to like Virginia beach, or I remember one year was Rhode Island. Um, it was Boston one year we stayed East coast, but, uh, yeah, every summer getting to perform at nationals, we were such a close team and I just loved being on stage. So, um, it's hard to remember a single moment, but, um, there was this one competition that always had an award for gosh, what did they call it? Of course I can't remember now, even though it was like my lifeline at the time. Um, it was basically an award for someone who was nice. And it was like, they would recognize if you were like polite backstage and said, good luck to other teams, or if you were courteous to the staff, um, and winning that award without knowing it was a thing. Cause once you know, it's a thing, you can totally game that award and just like suck up when you know you're being watched. Uh, but when I won it the first time was before I knew 
like that it was a thing. And so um, that stands out because that's just getting recognized for who you are authentically. And that's kind of always um, that to me was better than getting a certain score or like first place or whatever it was. So um, that stands out. That's a special one. That trophy is still at my parents' house. People will remember that you were kind to them, but they won't compare it to what was, how did you win that dance competition? What was right. the dance? So that is an impressive award. How many yeah. of them did you rack up? Just one? Uh, no, I think I ended up winning it like every year after that. Oh my gosh. But I was aware of it then. So I was also like, oh, I'm like the reigning, one of the reigning people. Like, but that's also who I am. Like, I'm not a jerk. I'm not like, no, I have my moments. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an angel. <laughs> that's like, everybody. <laughs> But I'm never someone who's going to be like rude to a server. Like I've, you know, and I've done all those jobs. I've worked retail. I've worked in the service industry. I was a waitress. I've worked at a bar. Like that, those were very formative years for me of learning how to treat people. And so I think that's just always kind of been important to me is like, don't be an asshole. Don't make people feel terrible. Um, just be nice, be a good person. I care a lot about putting that energy out into the world and tip your, and tip your waiters and waitresses. Yes. Yes. Speaking of kindness, got a couple more topics and we're going to wrap this bad boy up with a bow. You embody kindness, um, in so many ways. And so how do you aim to do that through your platform, especially in this world? Cause I, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say people, I almost said it on another show that, you know, everybody sucks, but, um, which is not the case, but there's sometimes it is is sometimes I'll be honest with you. I am having, I literally yesterday I've been journaling a lot this week. I will admit I've been having a really challenging week emotionally. And yesterday I literally wrote down, I hate everyone today. Like it happens. I was having one of those days. People were pissing me off. People like all just everything. I was getting so much like bad news or frustrating news or like having to chase people down or people telling me how to run my business or like just all of it compounded. And so, yeah, I totally had an, I hate everyone day yesterday and I I'll have more of those. Um, but I, I'm getting better at focusing on the good for a very long time. I, you know, I could have 900 kind comments and reviews for this show, for the Alley on the Run show. And the one, one star review is the one that I could quote verbatim. Like that's the one. And I've, that's always been the case for me. Like people being unkind, especially on the internet. Cause let's be honest, no one's really unkind to my face. Like no one really has the guts to do that. You'll fade them up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm. I'm scrappy. Like, let's go. <laughs> Two piece in the biscuit right there. Don't mess with her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but people, people are out there who want to knock you down and who want to say mean things because they know it's going to break you or hurt you. And I have dealt with a lot of those people and it is easier said than done, but those people don't matter. It has been hard for me to accept that I cannot be everything to everyone. It's been hard for me to accept that not everyone will like me. I'm not for everyone. I'm a lot. Everyone I've ever known has always told me that. I'm a lot. Allie, you're a lot. You're like a lot. People love to say that. 
okay. I, so I'm a lot. I can't be less because then I'm not me. So if me being a lot isn't for everyone, that has to be okay. Like if at my core, I know that I'm doing my best, if I know that I am a good person or that I'm trying to be a good person, um, yeah, sometimes I write that I hate everyone or everyone's pissing me off. But like if at my core, I know I'm a good person, then I can't let a stranger behind a screen, behind a Finsta, it's not even their real account that they're commenting on because they're being cowardly. I can't let that ruin my day or my week or my career. Like I can't, I just can't. And I'm going to mess up and I'm going to say the wrong thing and I'm not going to do the best job that I could. And I hate, I hate the feedback that tells me that. I do a year end listener survey every year. And this was the first time that I hired someone else to read the responses for me. Cause I was like, I can't do this to myself because even one person saying something negative, which of course they're going to, uh, and that's fine. I was like, I'm going to outsource this. I can't take this on. And so I'm getting better at, uh, the feedback of it all. But where I have learned to really focus my energy is on the good. And there is a really amazing community that listens to the show that's in the Facebook group. Like there's just so many good people out there and they're the ones that deserve my attention. Also, I'm a mom now. Like I, I can't let my kids see that a stranger on the internet made me cry. I'm fine with her seeing me cry. I cry all the time, but like, that's not what's going to knock mom down a stranger. It's not it. So work in progress, but, uh, yeah, just focusing on being the good, but also on just being me. Like if I'm having a bad day, I'm having a bad day. I'm not going to fake it and pretend all is well. Like I don't think I've posted anything on, you know, I like Instagram stories and I usually post a lot there like memes and silly things. And I haven't really posted in the past two days because I've been super grumpy. So all that you've seen on there is me promoting today's podcast episode because that's not a personal thing, but I'm just, you know. Well, shout out to whoever made those cookies for you because, you know, I wanted to go through the screen. and Oh, uh, my God. Do you see these? Yes, these Alley on the Run cookies. I saw those and I was like, oh, wow. Holy cow. That, I can't even tell you. I was having such a shit day. I've sworn more on this show than I have on my own in years. Um, feels so liberating. <laughs> feels great. Uh, those, I, yeah, I burst into tears. That, I can't eat them. Like, I should, because they're probably really good. You send them to me, I'm hungry. (laughs) They're so, but they're so special to me, and I want to keep them forever. When I saw that, it was just like, that is so nice. Like, somebody, I know that, uh, and that's the thing, like, people are good, and those are the people that I want in my life. And I'm at a point where I'm not going to spend my energy on not good people. Right. I'm just not like, and that might mean I lose clients. That might mean I lose sponsors. Oh, I mean, all my sponsors are wonderful, but, um, you know, that might mean I don't work with people again, whatever it is, that's life. Right. And yeah, I'm protecting this inner circle here. Well, you know, one, it, it always amazes me because it, it happens to me. It happens to you. People feel like they can go up and say anything mm-hmm. regardless and it's like i'm just telling the truth i'm keeping it real it's just like no you know there's always like you know my faith is the center of what i do and just reading my bible like that you're gonna have to give an account 
for every mean thing that you say to someone, I didn't say it, the Lord said it. So, you know, that, that always amazes me and people hide behind that excuse. And people say that you're a lot, but you can be a lot for somebody who really needs it. Right. Just the most important thing, because like you were created for a reason. There's there's a need for Alec Feller. Like I, I told you, I needed to come across your podcast and needed to be in that session because this just got started, um, you know, this platform. But it's always good to see someone being a lot because you're being authentically yourself. And so it's like you don't have to fake to be someone else you know, you can, you know, be you and stuff. So no, there is, you have moments where everybody does suck. I try not to say it because, you know, it doesn't uh, for the masses, but see. But it's real, right? Like, it's and so real. I have a friend and I've told her before, um, because she has said to me, she's like, am I a lot? Like, I feel like I'm a lot. And I'm like, if a lot is too much, people can go find less. Like if this a lot is too much, go find less. And that's okay. I don't mean like less than I'm not like find someone who's less than like, yeah. not that at all. Find someone who's more your speed, find someone who's more chill, find someone who knows when to shut up. Like I'm none of those things. So <laughs> you can pick and choose and that's okay. We're all showing up and doing our best. Doing our very best. A couple more questions. Then we will get to the segment that I call down the home stretch. So your running story about how you got started resembles mine almost. No, honest to God's truth for elementary school when I have you tell yours, but I listened to it the other day and I remember, oh my God, it was years ago. I, I They needed to test time for whatever. And so I like ran down the street and ran back and I had to do it five times. And I came across doing this. I'm like, I'm saying Bolt up in here, but just the American version. <laughs> Um, and everything. And granted, that didn't amount to anything. <laughs> it was just good for football training. But uh, for you, you know, yours started as a dead sprint. And now you're out here balling on these running streets. So kind of <laughs> talk about how you got into the art of running. Yeah, I moved to New York City after college. I lived with a group of women that I found on Craigslist. They had an open room in their apartment. I got the room. One of the roommates had all these medals on her walls and I was like, cool necklaces. What are those? <laughs> yeah. And she explained those were her medals earned from running half marathons. She explained that that was a thing that people chose and paid to do. And she convinced me to try running. And yeah, first day sprinted out the front door because I didn't know about pacing and the first day that first run was a couple seconds. And then the next day it was like, Oh, I ran to that lamppost. Now can I get one lamppost further? The beauty of city running. There's so many or anywhere, but little, uh, goalposts that you could measure your progress. And so I did that, kept going further, made it a mile, made it a mile. And then the mile back. So two miles signed up for a four mile race. I was just, I was hooked. I loved it. And then gradually worked up in distance. I think it was the day I ran that four mile race. I signed up for a half marathon a couple months later. And so I've just always, uh, I've always loved it. That doesn't mean it's been easy. It's rarely easy, but it's always been something I've enjoyed doing. It invigorates me. It makes me feel good. I love being outside. And so, yeah, I've been running since 2008. So how many years is that? 12? 
2014. 14 years? So 2008 to 2018 is 10. I'm embarrassed by that. <laughs> 2018, 2020, that's 12, 2020 to now 2022, that's Wow, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, I believe you. But I just, yeah. We're journalists. We didn't sign up to be mathematicians or- or No, or fact checkers. Like, where's the fact checker in here? We don't keep stats. I didn't take statistics. And if I did, I wouldn't- did I. Yeah, so that's not our job. I barely know how to use Microsoft Excel. So I don't yeah. use Excel. I use uh, use Google numbers. Docs. Oh, Google I, Docs. Nice. Oh well, I want to give a shout out to my mama who helps me tremendously <laughs> on everything <laughs> when it comes to numbers. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Yvonne Wilson. <laughs> um, so you know, we're not well, yeah, gonna... that's that's the running story, and um, and I love it. I can tell you're you're you were a really good journalist because you answered the second question. Um, in addition to that, in that entire answer, I love that. Is it weird to like be on the other side of the microphone? No, I love it. I love both sides. I didn't have to prepare for this. I just showed up, which was nice. I don't have any notes. I don't have like, no, this is great. That is awesome. Okay. How has being a parent not only impacted what you do as a, you know, commentator and alley on the run, but just as a runner, do you see things differently? Are you more empathetic? Um, have you noticed the change and everything? It's, it's awesome oh, yeah. to see the pictures of your daughter and how you know open you are and you know what you're trying to teach her and the things that you uh, enjoy doing with her. You know, I felt pain on the other side of the screen when you put your Christmas decorations down on like December 26. I thought that was like ungodly. Um, but <laughs> no, we didn't end up taking them. We took them down. After the new year, my husband was like, we're keeping them up. I was ready to take them down. Um, I just like to clean up. I like to be tidy. That's fair. That's yes. Fair. Um, Go ahead. I know. I'm such a Grinch. Uh, <laughs> everything has changed since becoming a parent. I mean, physically, emotionally, my goals. Uh, I'm still me. But yeah, it becoming a parent, there is a whole new subset of humanity that I can relate with now, as I'm interviewing people like Kira D'Amato, like Sarah Vaughn, like Sarah Hall, these women smashing records in their late thirties who are mothers. I'm like, that's me. I'm not doing what they're doing, but like there's, I, in many ways I can relate and I find so much inspiration there. And so that's a big part of it is, yeah, I can, um, I can relate to the fellow mothers. I can understand the, um, I always say, I don't like to call them sacrifices. I call them choices, the choices that they've made to get where they are today and, and how it all works when you are a parent. And so certainly that has changed in that I can relate to a whole different group of women, uh, and parents and caregivers, which is a wonderful thing. It has also made me sort of put my own life under a bit of a microscope of, okay, this tiny little person is watching everything I do. And gosh, is she intuitive? And they pick up on everything. Kids, you think they're not listening. And then three weeks later, they parrot back something that you said that you didn't think they heard. And you're like, oh my God. So yeah, it's just being really aware that someone is always watching and I want to be a role model for her. And that doesn't mean being perfect in every scenario. That doesn't mean always smiling and being happy. I want her to see the range of human emotions that I experience every hour of every day. Uh, and that I keep moving forward in spite of them or with them or whatever that looks like. 
but it's made me prioritize how I'm spending my time. It's made me prioritize who I let into my life. Like I was saying earlier, I don't want to work with jerks and I don't have to like, I, yeah, it might mean, uh, making less money that month. Cause I work for myself. It might mean having to find two clients to make up for one, whatever it is. But like, I want her to see me standing up for myself. I want her to see me not backing down on my values. I want her to see me as a role model that, yeah, I work really hard and I'm, I want to be really present for her. So yeah, it's on my mind constantly. Like when I introduce myself, I'll always say I'm Allie Feller, the host of the Allie on the Run show. Um, and it's always interesting to me when I listen to other parents introduce themselves because I always prompt them to do that when they're on the show. And sometimes it's, I'm Allie Feller, I'm a mom, I'm this. And then it's the job. Sometimes the job comes first. We can read into that however much we want. I don't think I've ever said mom first, except at like play dates or at the playground. And I'm like, oh, I'm Annie's mom. Cause that's just yeah. how you know other parents. And that's how right. you put them in your cell phone. I'm always going to be Allie, me, the human, the parent, the mother, the podcast host. Um, but having a child and becoming a mom has added a, an amazing dimension that bleeds its way into all of that and is always kind of like right here. Like even when I'm doing interviews, it's always there. Like I'm always aware of where she is or what she's doing when I need to pick her up. Like yeah. it never goes away and I don't want it to. Um, so yeah, it's, it's awesome. How does the success of, you know, the, the Sarah Halls, you know, at 37 doing the incredible things that they did inspire you in, in what way? Yeah. Our time's not up. I mean, these, some of these women are just getting started. Uh, I think for professional runners, it's a little different in that for so long, they were told that the prime time, prime time to sign on with a sponsor is right out of college, right? You have a standout year in college or standout four years, five years of eligibility. That's the time that you're worth the most is when you're young blood, fresh meat, right? And as women, that is certainly something that we've always been told in so many areas of life. And so to see these women, you know, Kira D'Amato signed her first sponsorship deal at 36. Like Sarah Vaughn, same thing. Sarah Vaughn just signed with Puma. Um, and then to see Sarah and Kira breaking these records, it's, um, it's inspiring, even though my goals are not time related on the run, mm -hmm. it is inspiring to know that like your life does not end in your thirties, in your forties, in your fifties, your life ends when it ends. Right. Um, and it's something I think about a lot as a podcast host of like, when am I irrelevant? When are people like, she's too old to listen to, or to look at, uh, you know, when do we just want younger voices in here? And that I always feel like this career is very fleeting. I always, every day I feel that, um, mm. yeah, I bring that to therapy. Don't worry. Uh, no, but that's, I've never, that's interesting because I've never heard that. Um, yeah, I think it all the time. I'm 27 and maybe my, you know, I'm certainly not therapist, but I, I, I this is just my opinion and everything. I disagree with that wholeheartedly because I think what you're doing, it's so, 
you you were doing what we were trying to do at what we're trying to do with magic boost you know obviously you know they're bringing in the next wave but you're doing what chris's vision chris love man you know you've mentioned on the show more times than none because uh, you've changed so many you know lives including mine but what you're doing i don't think has a time value because it's it's the blueprint of what we're trying to do and so i don't think age has anything to do with it and stuff like that as long as there's story to be told and here's the thing you build trust with these athletes in such a way that like i said this is just my two cents on the dollar i i i i can't see your reign of podcasting ending <laughs> I mean, you could be 175 years old and as long as, you- Oh God, don't make me live that long. I'm already so tired. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as like you have a story, pretty much, I don't see it ending until you want it to end. Um, and stuff. Well, you're going to be my new like pep talk guy. I'm telling you, I'm going to be calling you up. Be like, I have a pep talk today. Hey, listen, that's my, I'm job. about to record with Shelby. Can I have a pep talk? I was a coach, you know? <laughs> I, I just have so many questions and, and I'm a human where I'm like, ultimately I'm like, hope she's okay. Like, I did see which I know I yeah. ahead, like, I hope emotionally she's okay, regardless yeah. of what she did or did not do. I hope she, the person is, is, okay. is getting sleep at night and is supported and is, is okay. Like I, I think about that a lot. I can't turn off the, um, the very empathetic side of my brain where I worry a lot about people. Well, I mean, it was good to see, she posted something. She's said that she felt it would be the worst, you know, time of her life, but she's explored other options, which was great to see because at the end of the day, this is just, you know, your knees are going to, you know, get to the point and your mind's going to get to the point where it's like, I don't feel like doing this at this competitive level. Like, it, it all has a shelf life. And if your identity is like solely in this, then, you know, it's a struggle, but I agree with you. And I think that's the wonderful thing about at least your platform is that you actually care about the athletes and not what they can do for you and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and so I do, you know, Shelby, if you want to do an exclusive with the both of us, it doesn't <laughs> have to be anything. Honestly, it doesn't have to be track related. Obviously, we have our curiosities that can be off air. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just to make sure she's doing good and that um, this hasn't over and getting help. Right. Like, that's what I think about where and I know I'm getting way too into the weeds with this, but like we've seen so many people in history make really bad choices. And. I, I hope that people can learn from those and come back and yeah, we're probably not going to idolize her again. Like we have, and I don't know. I mean, there's so many nuances to this story, but, um, I always hope people are okay. And I've gotten feedback from people before who are like, you're trying too hard to be friends with these people. And I'm like, I assure you, I do not give a shit about being friends with these people. Like if, if we become friends and that happens all the time, it's a bonus. That happens. That's called life. We're like, oh, we had a great conversation. Let's stay in touch. I have never once gone into an interview saying, this is how I'm going to get in. Like, what do I like? What do you have also, to- what kind of weird friendship is that where I'm like, I'm going to become friends with this like 
I'm going to make Des be my friend. That's not going to be like a normal friendship. That's going to like, that's, that's just fangirling. And also I don't think fangirling is a bad thing. It's great to be a fan of these people in the sport. Um, but it's always funny when people are like, Oh, Allie, you're trying too hard to be friends. I'm like, I promise you I'm not like, I'm, I'm just friendly. Yeah. They make you out to be a sociopath, a sociopath. <laughs> like I did show up at her house the next day with a bouquet of flowers. Is that not? No, yeah, I'm no, like, no, it's like, we, we're not doing that. And just tell me <laughs> New Hampshire, the flowers probably were frozen by the time, you know, they got, um, <laughs> you know, to where she is. No, we got to do like all these haters of Allie. There's not that many. I'll, well, I'll be honest, or at least not to my face. Like my, I would say 99.2% of the people are lovely. But like I said, it's that 0.08%. Just crush that math. Uh, 0.08 or 0.8. Shit, maybe I didn't crush that math, but whatever. So, it's the, so you said 99.2. So yeah, it, so it's 0.8. So the 0.8%. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes. It's little. It's little. Yeah, it's you got little. it. You got it. No, you you hit <laughs> you, you hit it. That is yes. That was perfect. Doing my best. That was perfect. I had to th- I had to think about that, and I was like, oh, it's eight. It's like no. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to school. You see, that's gonna take their freaking degree away from me <laughs> and everything <laughs> like that. Um, but no, it does, and I think the problem is the internet. This everything uh you know like him or hate him and i don't agree with some of the things he said but he said this and i agree with the wholeheartedly steve harvey he said the internet the problem with it it has given a platform for nobodies to comment and it's made it so easy you you know you got a somebody with an egg you know as a profile picture you know saying the worst things and it's just like okay even if you're trying to troll just the fact that you thought of that and then you were willing to say it um to make it public and everything even if it's for attention like the 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 adage that i wish would go away is sticks and stones may break my bones but words never hurt me it's like no words hurt me words hurt me i would rather take a stick to the face but seriously because you like can- my physical i'll be fine like i can fix that but my heart cannot take mean words yeah yeah because i agree it crushes your confidence it crushes you know totally and and it stays with you you know unfortunately you know my i i have to pray a lot my mom she's been helpful we've been diving in the bible and it's because of the things the mean things that people have said to me over the years and they felt comfortable saying it over the years that has masked itself into insecurities totally and stuff like that so you know compassion and caring about somebody is not a fangirl thing it's not a oh i just want to be your friend so let me fake because if you're trying if the aim for people coming on alley on the run is for you to be their friends then you are faker than a two dollar steak But, but but and it's like it's like a psychopath. We should put you on like Lifetime or something like that. But yeah, that's not game. <laughs> it's just yeah. Hey, that's sponsorship money though. Um, <laughs> but that's like that's not. You can tell that's not the aim because it's never overly awkward. Yeah. Like it's it's pure. It's natural, and that's why I say I think you will always have a place and have a lead role until like you decide, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Uh, And that's just from my perspective as a young person and just knowing where we're trying to go. 
being authentic, telling different stories, promoting diversity, really, you know, having the athletes be themselves. I think there's always a seat at the table for it. And, you know, for you, you know, you just happen to have the head seat at the table when it comes to this movement. That's very generous. You're very nice. Last question, then we'll we'll wrap this bad okay. up. What is the change that you want to see in the sport? I want people to see that they belong here. Um, I hate when I hear that someone showed up to a group run and went back home because they didn't feel welcome or they didn't see anyone that looked like them or that the group was too fast or whatever. And, and yeah, um, I'm not saying every running group needs to be all levels and all abilities. There's a place for competitive athletes. There's a place for, um, but I want, I want this sport to be more accessible. I want to, I want people to want to run. I want people to let it change their lives. Um, if I can play a tiny little role in that, then I think I've done my job here, but I really want, um, I just want to see the good. I want to see, um, happy spectators. I want to see professional athletes who are well taken care of and who are, um, healthy and nourished and are taking care of their emotional well-being. Um, I want to throw sunshine and rainbows at everything. <laughs> that is my solution. <laughs> the sunshine on somebody's cloudy day. Okay. Yeah. I could that. It reminds me of the prophet known as Marshawn Lynch. Make sure you're taking care of your chickens and your mentals, and then you will be good. So we are now at the final segment called Down the Home Stretch. This is a rapid fire. Ordeal. If you do not answer these quickly, it's okay. Oh, one I thought you were per- like, you're off the show. No, okay. one person has answered it because she took it as a challenge. That is the GOAT, uh, Ms. Kara Winger. She came on the show, she blessed the show, and she took it as a challenge, and she knocked it out of the park. All right, I'm ready. But, like I say, it is no big deal. It's all good if you don't okay. just answer to the best of your ability. Are you ready? Wait, are these like quiz questions? Uh, is this like running trivia or are these like, no, no, what's no, your no, 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 oh, no, Okay. I got nervous for a second. These okay. Yes. Things, so to make this as authentic as possible, I don't have any notes on this. This is just, Oh, great. Okay. I'm Let's see what happens. My head. So if I, okay. so for those listening, you know, sometimes I'll stutter my thoughts It's because I don't write it down. I try to keep it as fresh as possible. All right. You ready? Yeah. If there was a food that you had to keep for the rest of your life and a food that you had to get rid of, what are you going with? I'm keeping warm bread with butter and a little bit of sea salt, and I'm getting rid of olives. I like that. Let's stay on the bread topic. Great. I'm going to give you some locations. If you haven't been to them, that's fine. You can mention one if you um, prefer. Olive Garden, Red Lobster, Outback Steakhouse, Texas Roadhouse, Longhorns. All right, you listed like all my favorites. Of those, perfect. That's great. Of those five places that I've mentioned, who has the best bread or biscuit? Red, red lobster cheddar biscuits. My girl, that's that's it right there. That's why she the goat. That's why she's sitting at the end <laughs> of the table and you get the big piece of chicken. I like that. Yay. <laughs> okay. If you had to pick a theme song or a song in general to describe your life, what are you rolling with? 
Celine Dion, A New Day Has Come. Okay. Every day's a new day. Every day is ripe for opportunity. Is that every day is the one you love? No, no, it's, well, that, okay, that's Cheryl oh, Crow. Okay. Every day is a winding road. <laughs> oh, wow. God. This is Celine Dion. A new day has come. She's my favorite. Celine, my bad girl. Miss Cheryl, I'm sorry, too. <laughs> you praise the Lord for the ability to edit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is going to stay in. Okay. Um, dream location to run. Ooh. Uh, anywhere. I love wherever I can run. Um, I would love to run on some of the beautiful trails out in Utah. Okay. I, I also love San Francisco. San Francisco. So do you like running like on hilly platforms? Sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. I like mountains. If there was a 90s theme that you would bring back in the 90s theme that you would get rid of. Uh, I'm sorry, if there was a theme that you would bring back and a theme that you would get rid of, or trend, screw this question up. If there was a trend that you would keep and a trend that you would get rid of, what would it be? Oh, I never gave up on the 90s. I never stopped wearing leg warmers. I never stopped with the fanny pack. So leg warmers, fanny pack, I love an off the shoulder situation. I love bike shorts. I love neon. I love bright colors. I love crimping my hair. I'm keeping everything. Um, I'm keeping everything. So there's not a trend that you would get rid of? No. That is Be interesting. And because people should wear what makes them happy. I didn't mean clothes, I just meant anything. Yeah, and then I couldn't think of anything else, so I'm just diverting back to my rainbow sandals. I got you. Like sunshine and, yeah. Mine would be TikTok. I, I would get rid of that. Um, TikTok? Yes. That's not the 90s. But yeah, I screwed the question up, so it could be anything from any time period. Oh, I thought you said the 90s. I did, I said a lot of stuff that was wrong. Well, I'm sticking with the 90s, because otherwise it's too overwhelming for me. Yes, we will keep the 90s, okay? Okay. Um, if there was a show that you can be a guest on, so let's stick with the 90s. If there is a 90s show that you can be a guest on, what would it be? Full House. Full House. Rip Bob Saget. Or Saved uh, by the Bell. Oh, I Which, like that. by the way, did not stand the test of time. It, Saved by the Bell didn't hold up. It did not at all. I used to watch that. It, it, it. It was my favorite, yeah. Yeah, it faded like a cheap suit. Yeah, pretty bad. So I definitely understand that. Okay, just a couple more. If you had to pick someone to narrate your life, who would it be? Alexis Rose from Schitt's Creek. Oh, <laughs> okay. I like that. Um, if you had to have dinner with anyone, who would it be? Just any, any, anybody that's not Alexis from Schitt's Creek. Oh, wow, you're ruling her out. Okay. Um, David Rose from Schitt's Creek. Uh, oh, okay. I know that character. I, I mean, I would like a dinner party where the, like David Rose is there. Both of my grandmothers are there. My parents, my daughter, Katie Couric, because I'm reading her book. I have a lot of follow-up questions. Um, and Michelle Obama. I like that. I do like that. Couple more. Cartoon character that relates to you the most. Oh, Rainbow Bright. Oh, okay. I like also, that. Joy from Inside Out. I really I, love Joy. I like that. What is the best book that you've read? Um, The Little Engine That Could, children's book. The Little Engine That Could. Last question. What is the big, biggest thing that makes you smile? 
Oh, my daughter, everything she does, especially when she wakes up in the morning and she wants to snuggle. It's the best feeling in the world. You have completed the rapid fire challenge. Mm. You have completed yes. it, you've aced it. Uh, I will give you, you came in second place. I screwed up that question. Uh, Kara, but that, that is not a reflection on me. And I would like to challenge the judges so that I can be first place. In the spirit of <laughs> the Winter Olympics that just started, uh, you can split a medal <laughs> if you want. Okay, deal. We, we, we can do tie for first place. I would love that. Um, yes, yeah, so you will receive <laughs> a complimentary gold medal uh, when I start getting a little bit more money and then I can <laughs> put it out. You know what? Save your gold. Send me a, send me a Red Lobster biscuit. <laughs> Listen, now here's the thing. That you can buy them. I got some. I got a whole box in the kitchen. So like I'm I got to do that. I got to get on that. Listen, you ain't saying nothing but a word. Do we have a place that says bolt size, uh, red lobster, cheddar bay biscuits? I got you, fam. Just, yeah. I love it. Right, right up to New Hampshire. When's your birthday? May 6th. May 6th. I got Yeah, you. we got time. We got okay. time. Allie, you are the GOAT. It was an honor to have you on the show. What can we expect from the Allie on the run show? Like well, lots coming up next week is love on the run week. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. Every week leading up to Val every year leading up to Valentine's day, I put out seven episodes in seven days and they are all conversations with couples in the running industry. So this year we have an excellent lineup. This is the third year. Uh, it's a ton of work, seven episodes in seven days. And then it's like right back into the regular weeks. So it's not like I take a break after that. Uh, so yeah, lots of love stories coming uh, to the Alley on the Run show. Oh man, that's awesome. Are you broadcasting or um, covering any more races in the near future? TBD. You know, my calendar is a bit of a mess right now. Um, I know that in May, I will be at the Bayshore Marathon. In this summer, I will be at the Wineshine Half Marathon in Napa. I'll be, I'm sure, at the New York City Marathon in some capacity in the fall. So yeah, I'm always, always got stuff going on. And where can they find you? The Alley on the Run Show podcast is on all major podcast players. My website is AlleyOnTheRunBlog.com for all the show notes and good stuff. And Instagram and Twitter, I'm Allie on the Run one Yes. And if you send her an email, she will look at it. She may not respond, but she will look at it. She reads I all do my best. It's a black hole. I know. Does. It's terrible. It, it is lit. It is lit. Allie, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on this show. Uh, that's it for this episode. Make sure to follow the Lactic Acid Podcast on Instagram at that Lactic Acid Podcast. Lactic Acid underscore podcast. I'm sorry, Lactic Acid underscore pod on Twitter. I'm on TikTok, Lactic Acid Podcast. I don't know how to use it, but I would appreciate it if you followed me. And follow the lacticacidpodcast.org website where you can find all the episodes and written articles there. Also on YouTube, Lactic Acid with Dominique Smith. And like you heard in the ad leading up to the episode, if you go on the Paper Trails Greeting Company website, order a great product from there, you get 15% off if you use the code Lactic Acid. And if you are a sponsor looking to sponsor with the show, sponsor the show, Email me at lacticacidpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to work with you. Would love to promote your brand. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Oh.